it's, it's my prayer that uh, the message and the word that we're going to look at today will just be a continuation of what we've been singing. God, who's worthy of our worship, God, who is uh, to be glorified, who is powerful, who is amazing. And today, we are going to look at Exodus chapter 7, verse 1, so you could turn there. And uh, we're going to go through Exodus chapter 12, verse 32. So I want to begin reading. No, we're not going to read the whole passage. Uh, It is the ten plagues. It's a familiar passage to some of you. It's also the scheduled lesson that the first through fifth graders are doing in children's church this morning. So right down below you, Mr. Ozzy and Mrs. Gwen and some others are teaching the first through fifth graders uh, this same lesson. We're not going to have as many games and crafts in here as as they have. But uh, today does have a kids and family theme. We've heard from Rob talking about community kids. We're going to be voting on Alpha tonight. Um, I don't know if you know this. Does anybody know what today, the holiday is today? No? It is National Take Your Parents to the Playground Day. No lie. It's a national day today. Take your parents to the playground day. And so uh, in thinking about all of this kid-themed stuff... I want to um, invite a couple of kids to come in to be part of the service this morning, and I want to explain their involvement, and I think they might be in the back there getting ready to come in now, soon, but don't turn around and look at them. Pay attention to me here. Um, This is not necessarily a special music number designed to showcase these kids' talents. It's not a kids' program for parents to see their children up front As a matter of fact, some of the parents of these kids didn't even know their kids were going to be up front. They might not even know until the kids are standing right here in front. Um, But it is meant to to give you a peek into what's going on during children's church. A couple of weeks ago, we finished up the life of Joseph, and we kept coming back to the fact that God was working in Joseph's life, even in the highs and the lows. Joseph was more than a conqueror, and you can come on up here. Joseph was more than a conqueror because he knew God was in control. We've been singing along with this video that you're going to see here um, by Seeds Family Worship. And when you're ready, you can join us in singing the song and doing the motions here. Um, And you can also join in snapping. I'm going to be on the side here, and uh, I didn't give her this note, but Clarissa, if you could turn my mic off. Um, In case I sing, you don't want to hear it in the mic. Uh, I'm going to be snapping, so if you have trouble snapping, you can just follow along with me as, uh, as they're singing. So, go ahead. Separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. 
separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus? What can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus? Nothing, 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 yeah. Yeah. We are more than conquerors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are more than conquerors. Here we go. We are more, more, more. That's right. Than From the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. What can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus? What can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus? Nothing, nothing. From the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. What can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus? What can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus? Nothing, 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 yeah! That's right! We are more than conquerors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We are more. I want you to understand, they have preached to you in the sense of their song. We are more than conquerors if we're in Christ Jesus. So what they have said is awesome truth for us to remember. So if you remember nothing else, we are more than conquerors in Christ. So thank you kids for doing that, and you guys can go ahead downstairs. And like I said, one of the reasons in doing that and having them come up and share is that simple truth. That simple truth of that song. And that's just something that we've been singing downstairs. And just so you're aware, what we try to do downstairs for the singing part is we try to do one song that we've done up here with the adults that you guys have sung. And then we try to do a song that's kind of connected with the lesson. And like I said, we went over and over again that song throughout the life of Joseph. Because if someone needed to be reminded over and over again that uh, he is a more, more than a conqueror because of who God is and what God has done, it was Joseph. And so um, as we get into this passage today and as we uh, hear the sermon, I pray that that message of we are more than conquerors if we're in Christ will resonate throughout. So let me pray. Lord God, thank you so much 
Thank you for your goodness and your grace, and thank you for all that we have in you. I want to pray that you would remind us of, of your love and your goodness and your, your grace and your power and your strength. I pray that uh, as we are reminded that those of us who have trusted in you are your children. Help us to trust in you more and more and more. Help us as we as a church are involved in different ministries and activities. Help us to remember that we want to do it all for your honor and your glory because you are more than worthy. And God, I just want to pray um, for our time today. I pray that you would um, use your word to challenge us to grow uh, closer to you and closer to one another. I pray that you would give me clarity in speaking. Um, Give everyone here uh, clarity in in hearing and listening and and applying and living out the truth of your word. And God, I just want to pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I want to take a couple of minutes before getting into the passage to um, put a couple of pictures up here and talk about a couple of different ministries and things going on. Now, uh, I, I just want to talk through these quickly, um, and we're just going to kind of go in order here. During last Sunday's baby dedication service, I asked you the following question. As a church family, do you desire to come alongside these parents, and not just these parents that are in the picture, but all the parents here at, at Trinity, do you desire to come alongside these parents through prayer, encouragement, and other means that help them parent with a biblical dependence upon God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit? And then I asked, or then the response was, we do. Is this still the case? And I know it's only been a week. And I'm not talking about in the sense of the time that's passed. But I'm talking about, it's easy to say that when we're part of a service and a ceremony. But is that your commitment? Is to help families here, each and every person. As a church family, we want to help parents grow in their biblical dependence upon God. We want to help parents honor God and glorify God as they parent their kids and as they share the gospel with their kids and as they disciple their kids. And we want to pray that kids would come to know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Today, you heard about community kids. Rob just gave that brief update and he's going to be sharing more later tonight. Uh, Community kids is an opportunity that we as a church have to partner with an organization that's sharing the gospel with kids in the Grand Rapids community. Tonight, we're also going to be voting to bring Alpha on as, um, into our family of supported ministries as they share the love of Christ by providing services to men and women affected by unplanned pregnancies. Basically, a ministry that saves babies' lives. Next week is the New York City fundraiser lunch to support our teams, our, 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 uh, to support our teens as our church, not the youth group, but as our church goes to New York City this summer to share the gospel. And I know it was shared, but I want to challenge you to support them as they go through prayer and financial support and signing up for the, uh, for the lunch next week. But what a great opportunity for our church to go and share the gospel. During previous summers, 
we've had close to 100 kids in this building under the leadership and discipleship of our church family. They've been having fun, playing games, eating snacks, memorizing Bible verses, uh, learning biblical life-changing truths. And this summer, from June 13th to the 16th, we'll be having our Vacation Bible School again, um, the Zoomerang Bible, uh, Vacation Bible School through Answers in Genesis, and it's just an opportunity with an Australian theme to, to be sharing the gospel with kids and families. I want to encourage you to be praying for the kids be praying for the, the families, be praying for the teachers and the workers that share with the kids. I, w- I want to encourage you to plan to serve and, and help during that time. Um, and then the other thing there, so that's the Zoomerang, then the fighter verses at the end, that might be the one that you have no idea what that is. This summer, um, from June through August, we're going to be doing a combined summer study that is focused on memorizing Bible verses and Bible passages as a church. The study will be done from two years old through fifth grade, and then it will be done with all the adults. So we'll be learning the same verse, all those age groups together, and the teens are challenged to memorize the verses as they're going through the, the study that Pastor Jury has set up for them. The, the study's designed to promote church-wide scripture memory for everyone, and it's designed to help families have something to talk about together. And not just families in a sense of, the family as we know it, but our church family, to have a common passage that we have to, to talk to one another about and encourage uh, one another with. And then as always, and when I'm up here, I usually kind of mention this, that we've got the, the, the website where you can, parents can go and get resources and helps to disciple their kids. But as you think about all of these things, they're all good things. They're activities. They're things designed for more than just putting on a calendar. All of these things, baby dedications, supported ministries, mission trips, VBS, Sunday school classes, online resources, they're designed to help us grow as disciples and help others grow as disciples. And I want to encourage you as, you, as you listen, when Pastor Jason's up here giving announcements or whoever's giving announcements, when you look at those bulletin uh, things, I encourage you to be praying for those opportunities, those gospel opportunities that are in there. So as we think about this, as we think about these opportunities and other opportunities that you have individually to talk about what a great and awesome God we serve, what a holy God we serve. Um, Think about the words that we sang. If God is for us, uh, who can be against us? Our God is greater, the great I am. We sing that here. But do we take advantage of these opportunities and other opportunities God puts into your life to proclaim that truth to others? So, if you haven't turned to Exodus 7, you can go there now. And we are going to go through this passage, um, all the chapters, and the rest of our time. But uh, I just want to pray again as we, uh, as we do that. So let me, let me pray again. God, we're thankful for all the different opportunities that you give us as a church family. We're thankful for the opportunities you give us individually to proclaim your glory. And as we look at the way that you made yourself known in this passage, I pray that you would help us to make your name known to friends, family, neighbors, co-workers, and others. Because you are worthy. And God, I just want to pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.
Like I said, you might be familiar with the, the ten plagues. Uh, you might not be. Uh, I, I was, as I was thinking about it, I thought, um, kind of was talking with Krista, and she said, you know, we want to be sure that we explain things like the plagues, because there might be people in here today that have an idea of what it is, but they don't really know. Now, for those of you that have um, heard this, you know this, I want you to listen carefully. And for those that um, aren't familiar with the plagues, I want you to listen carefully. So basically, everyone in this room, listen carefully to what I'm going to say now. As we think about, not all of the ten plagues are actually plagues. They're not actual diseases. The story of God commentary describes the plagues this way. God is striking the Egyptians in a variety of ways. The most common way the Bible refers to these events is signs and wonders. The first nine plagues all involve creation in one way or another. Most of them could be described as natural disasters. Now now listen to how the, the commentary clarifies this. Which does not mean they were merely, quote, natural. But rather, God clearly planned his judgment on the Egyptians and the pharaohs through the realm of nature. He used creation. What he created, and I said I wasn't going to use this phrase to a couple of people earlier. He used what he created in an orderly way. And in a God-controlled way, nature went berserk. Frogs came out of where they were. Boils appeared suddenly. All of this crazy stuff happened. The commentary goes on to say that the plagues are hypernatural, nature in excess at various levels, in the timing, in the scope, in the intensity. All of those things are going on there. As we think about the plagues, this is usually what you think about and you see. So go ahead to the next slide there. Um, You think of all of these different things that are here. Uh, We look at water to blood, frogs, gnats, flies, livestock, boils, hail, locusts, darkness, death of the firstborn. This is cataclysmic wrath coming upon a, a certain area, a certain group of people for a certain period of time. Creation being used by the creator to bring judgment upon those he created. This morning, we're not going to focus on the details of each of these individual plagues. We're going to focus on all ten plagues as a, and I practice saying this, so I'll probably end up screwing it up a couple of times. The ten plagues plagues as a single signal act. And this is from that, that commentary that I was just reading from. All ten signs, all ten wonders, all ten plagues point beyond each of the plagues and all the, uh, the amazing things that happened there. They point beyond that to God's sovereignty and power. God's sovereignty and power. And so, as, as, we, as we think about this, I want us to, to think about this single act, and I want to give you a quick history lesson to see how we got to the plagues. God created the world, including man and woman. In this single signal act, God created his, demonstrated his power over all creation by creating it. God judged man and woman because of their sin. The sin problem continues to grow, so God judges the world with a flood. The sin problem continues to grow. I mean, you, you, you have all of these people sinning. The flood happens. It gets down to the eight people. The sin problem is still there, and it continues to grow. So God judges and scatters the people from Babel. God chooses to work his plan of saving people through the patriarchs, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. 
And what Joseph's brothers and others intended for harm, you think about Potiphar's wife, you think about this is what the kids were going over the last couple of weeks. What they intended for harm, do you remember, remember the verse? Genesis 50, 20, if, if you're familiar with it. What he, he says to his brothers, what you intended for harm, God intended for good. And he doesn't just say good. He goes on to tell, to tell his brothers to bring it about that many people will be saved. Joseph goes through all of those things to save a people. To save a lot of people and to save specifically the Israelites. God's chosen Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, God's chosen family. And, and the thing that happens is if you look at the end of Genesis to the beginning of Exodus, you'll see they grow. The Israelites grow. They grow, and if you read the first chapter of Exodus, you'll see they grow to the point where they were a problem for the Egyptians. And the Egyptians enslaved them, um, caused trouble for them. But the people grew. And in the midst of this trouble that they were facing in Egypt, God provided a deliverer in Moses. And I know that's a familiar story for all of us. But I want you to think about the way that I worded this, and it's all bolded there. I worded this in a specific way. Because what you see here is that God is working things out according to his plan and for his glory. This whole story, this could become very much facts that you go through and you memorize and you know about. And some of you may be very, very familiar with these stories. Some of you may not be. So I want to break it down to this. God is working things out according to his plan for his glory. That's this narrative that's going on here, Genesis 1 through Exodus 7. And you know what? In your life, in my life, God is working things out according to his plan for his glory. This morning, I want to remind you that God is working for his glory, and he's also working for your good. But I have to clarify that, because some of you are going, I know what I want. I know what I think would be good in my life. But here's what God says. Here's what God has for us, not what God says. Here's what God has for us. He has the best good for your life. And you know what that best good is? that you would trust in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior for your salvation and for your ongoing growth in him. Your best good, your best good is not the stuff of this world. Your best good is God himself and a a closer relationship with him. Here's what the ten plagues are a battle of. And I'm going to tell you this, from this point on, I may not refer to any of the plagues specifically by those names that I had up there at the beginning. You may not hear any of those specific plagues. But here's what the ten plagues are a battle of. Pharaoh's heart and will and ego versus God's heart for his people, God's will and his plan and his sovereignty. See, Pharaoh has put himself on a throne. He's made himself God. And not even just him, but Egyptian culture has made himself, made Pharaoh God. But we need to remember, there's only one God. If you think about this idea of Pharaoh's heart 
and will and ego versus God's heart, will, and God's sovereignty. A similar battle continues today. It's not in cataclysmic proportions as we look at the, uh, the plagues and see all of those things, uh, all that wrath being poured down. But there is a similar battle today. They're not plague, ten plague-like battles, but they are big nonetheless. James 4.1 asks this question. What causes quarrels and what causes fights among you? You know what the answer is to that? Your, what is it? Your desires. What's going on in your heart is what causes fights and quarrels among you. Later in that same chapter, James writes, God opposes the proud, but he gives what to the humble? Grace. He gives grace to the humble. Let's look at a description of a proud man who doesn't know the grace of God. In uh, Exodus 7, verses 3 through 5, it says, But I will harden Pharaoh's heart, and though I multiply my signs and wonders in Egypt, he will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt, and with mighty acts of judgment, I will bring out my divisions, my people, the Israelites. And the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring the Israelites out of it. You think about this. Moses is called to go, and, and think about this from a, a speaker perspective. If, you, if you're going to go and speak, and you're told by God, you are going to go to the most powerful person in this area. And you're going to speak to them on my behalf. You'd probably be like, yes, that's a good opportunity. I mean, there, there would be obviously fear and things like that. But you're going to tell someone powerful who has influence about God. And then God goes on to tell you. you know, and you know what? He is not going to listen to you. You're going to talk to him over and over and over again. And he is not going to listen to you. As you think about this, as you think about this idea that um, God is working in this way, he's, he's, uh, he's hardening Pharaoh's heart, he's multiplying his signs for three reasons, and two of them are right here in this passage. First of all, the first reason is to lead Israel out of Egypt. He's using these signs to lead Israel out of Egypt. God is going to fulfill his promise to Abraham. God is going to do, he was not going to leave his people in bondage in Egypt. God is going to save his people and begin the journey to the promised land. And if you think about this, he's doing that today. He's saving his people and he's putting them on this journey to the promised land with him. Glory forever. And the second thing is, uh, that it says in that passage, is Egypt will know that God is the Lord. The Egyptians, a sovereign nation, and their Pharaoh, who claims to be a God, will know who is the sovereign one. Who is the one over all creation? Who is the one in control? Those who fight against God will one day know that he is God. 
Even the trends and the patterns in these 10 plagues, even these trends and patterns, they show God's power and his glory. So there are a bunch of patterns to see here. And I I like this graphic from visual theology. Um, It goes through and it's up at the top there um, with the Nile uh, River turns to blood. And there's a lot of patterns that you could see here. And I'd encourage you to read through these these plagues on your own and look and see some of the patterns. I just want to point two of them out to help show you God's power, God's glory, and God's strength. Plagues one and two are repeated by Pharaoh's magicians, but not plague three. So you can even see that there where up at the top it says, Pharaoh's magicians replicate the plague one and two, the blood and the the frogs. Gets to plague three, and they can't repeat it. The gnats coming from the, the dirt, they can't repeat it. They actually attribute it to God's finger. It must be God's finger that is, is doing this. And as you think about this, by the time it gets to plague six, the boils, it's not even that they can't replicate it because they can't replicate anything after that. Plague six, they can't even show up in the same room as Moses, Aaron, and Pharaoh when, when he calls them. Their boils are so bad that they can't even show up. In 9-11, that's what it says. It says, the magicians could not stand before Moses because of the boils, for the boils came upon the magicians and all the Egyptians. So it goes from repeating them to not being able to repeat them to not even being able to stand, to to being, in one sense, crippled by um, these plagues that God is bringing. Psalm 86, 8 says, there is no one like you among the gods, O Lord. And this shows that. This shows that. Um, and as, as you think about um, what, uh, what the plague shows, this is a family worship Bible guide. Um, good resource for uh, families if you're doing some Bible reading and all that. It has every chapter of the Bible, just with a couple of questions or a little paragraph about every uh, chapter in the Bible that you could talk about with your family. I just I want to read a part of this here uh, for chapter 8. When Christ confronts Satan's power, victory is sure. Sometimes God's people will suffer great injustice. Sometimes they fall into idolatry. But Christ will prevail, and the church of his elect uh, and called will overcome. Revelation seventeen fourteen. There is no one like the Lord. How can this encourage believers in their sufferings and temptations? I ask you that question because that's a good question to ask with your family, with other, other believers and things like that. But it's even a good question to think about this morning as you, as you hear these things. How can this truth encourage believers in their sufferings and their temptations, knowing that God is the one who's over all creation? So, as we, as we think about this, admit, amid sufferings and temptations, God's people need to remember that Christ will be victorious. He is victorious, and we will see that victory uh, one day. The second trend is Pharaoh's hard heart. This is a, this is a challenging thought, the idea of, of Pharaoh's hard heart. But I want you to think, and you can look up there at the graphics if you can see that, but I'm going to just point this out. The Bible specifically says or suggests that Pharaoh hardens his heart. Pharaoh hardens his own heart in uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, and 7. And then God hardens Pharaoh's heart 
in plagues 6, 7, 8, 9, and 10. This hardening of Pharaoh's heart, it's a tandem. It's, it's Pharaoh is hardening his heart. And God is hardening Pharaoh's heart. Up here, it has some writing. I want to read what it says here in the, in the circle when it's talking about this. Pharaoh progressively hardens his own heart. He fills himself with self-confidence and determination that he is doing right and acting like the God he believes he is. Pharaoh is, um, it says, filled with self-confidence and determination. And then it says, at the same time, God progressively allows Pharaoh's heart to become heavier and more guilty compared to the standard of what God has declared is right. Whether you read about the hardening of Pharaoh's heart in Exodus or in Romans chapter 9 or elsewhere, it's hard to understand. But here's the bottom line. God is sovereign and man is responsible. This is a mystery we cannot completely understand, but we must never mix up. You understand what I mean by that? In the sense of, it's not man is sovereign and God is responsible to us and to give us answers. That's not it. God is sovereign and man is responsible. Kevin DeYoung, a, a pastor and a writer, he said, if you want God against you, be proud like Pharaoh. If you want God to be for you, to help you, then be humble enough to admit that you cannot save yourself. The hardening of Pharaoh's heart is a very specific and a very tragic and a very extreme thing as we think about this. But it's an example of the pride of the human heart. I can sometimes see a hardening of my heart. And I don't even want to preface it and say it, but it's not like Herod's because it is like Herod's. It's, I'm turning my back on God. I'm putting myself on the throne and I'm not going to read directly from this one, but this is another resource for families. This is a, um, more than a story, exploring the message of the Bible with children. And in this, they have some questions and things there. And they ask this question uh, here. He says, um, or Sally Michael writes, what does it mean to harden your heart? To, for kids to think about that. And, and they give a couple of suggested answers to talk about. To resist the things of God, to be slow to confess sin, to take his commandments lightly, to neglect time in his word. Those things that take the glory from God and give it to us. I'm not going to take time in the word because I know better. I'm not going to take time and confess my sins because I had every right to do what I did. You know, you think about all those things. And here's what's, what's going to happen. That judgment, that harshness towards sin and exodus, it's going to happen to us. And it may happen in circumstances in this world or it may happen... In judgment eternally if we're not trusting and abiding in Christ. So I want to encourage you. I want to plead with you. Trust in God more and more and more. If you remember the first two purposes of the plagues. The uh, Israel will leave Egypt. Egypt will know that I am the Lord. In Exodus 9. In Exodus 9. And you can turn there to Exodus 9. Um. In 13 through 17, it says this. Then the Lord said to Moses, Rise up early in the morning and present yourself before Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, the God of the Hebrews, Let my people go that they may serve me. For this time I will 
Send all my plagues on you yourself and on your servants and on your people so that you may know that there is none like me in all the earth. There's none like me. There's none like God. For by now, I could have put out my hand and struck you and your people with pestilence and you would have been cut off from the earth. But for this purpose, I have raised you up to show you my power so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. You are still exalting yourself. You're still putting yourself in my place before, uh, against my people and will not let them go. Look at verse 15. I want to help you understand how God's grace is evidenced in this passage of God's wrath. The English Standard Version says, you would have been cut off from the earth. The Christian Standard Version of the Bible says, you would have been obliterated from the face of the earth. King James Version says, you shall be, thou shalt be cut from the earth. New American Standard, you would then have been eliminated from the earth. The New International Version says, you would have been wiped off the earth. And the message says, there would be nothing left of you, not a trace. God could have done all that, but he didn't. He didn't. He, God raised Pharaoh up so that God's name would be proclaimed in all the earth. And you may be thinking to yourself, well, what about Pharaoh's freedom to choose? That will sometimes come up as we talk about this. First of all, we talked about the fact that there's a responsibility and a sovereignty in that. So that's it. That's a challenging reality. But here's, here's my thought. And I don't, I don't mean to belittle if you have that question or what about Pharaoh's choice. I have another question for you to think about. Think about this. What about God's knowledge? What about God's goodness? What about God's freedom to be who he is and do what he has planned for his glory? Think about this. Before you get defending Pharaoh, who is God? He is God and we are not. Think about this from a New Testament perspective. While we were God's enemies, sinners living in rebellion against him, he could have obliterated us. He could have eliminated us. He could have wiped us off the face of the earth. He could have left this world without a trace of who we are. But he didn't. When we are humble and in his grace, we realize he sent his son to die for our sins, to bring us life. So we should make his name known. As we think about this idea of making his name known, go ahead, the next one there. I want to just uh, bring it here to this idea of uh, children's ministry. And this isn't the children's pastor trying to force some context or some, something into this, this message. It's in there twice. This is in there twice. Children, listen up. Teens, listen up. Parents, listen up. Grandparents, listen up. Children's ministry workers, listen up. Those who want to help children and families glorify God, listen up. And anyone who doesn't fit into any of those categories, know this, I prayed for you. And I will continue to pray that you will understand what it means to be a child of God. So if you're in one of those categories where you want to help people know God more, in Exodus 10, The Lord said to Moses, go into Pharaoh, for I have hardened his heart and the heart of his servants, that I may show these signs of mine among them, and that you may tell 
in the hearing of your son and your grandson, how I have dealt harshly with the Egyptians and what signs I have done among them, that you may know that I am the Lord. Did you catch that in Exodus 10, 1 and 2? God did this so that your children and your grandchildren would hear you talking about it and they would understand the seriousness of sin and the awesomeness of God. And then in Exodus 12, so talk about the things that God is doing in your life so that you can talk to your kids and your grandkids about how awesome God is and how serious sin is. Then in Exodus 12, before the 10th and most devastating plague, the death of the firstborn, God established a meal to be done first to protect Israelite families and then to help them remember what God did for them in Egypt. In Exodus 12, 24 through 27, it says, You shall observe this right as a statute for you and for your sons forever. And when you come to the land that the Lord will give you, as he promised, you shall keep this service, this meal. And when your children say to you, What do you mean by this service? You shall say, It is a sacrifice of the Lord's Passover. For he passed over the houses of the people of Israel in Egypt when he struck the Egyptians, but spared our houses. This meal was to remind them how the blood of lambs put on a doorpost kept the Israelites safe in Egypt. Here's a question for you. Do we sing songs about a worthy lamb who was slain so that we could know salvation? Do we do that? Did we do that this morning? Yes. Here's another question. Do we have a meal that we come together as a church family and celebrate the blood that was spilt and the body that was broken for our sins. We do, and it's communion. And I want to challenge parents and grandparents to think about those things, to think about the fact that we have been called to be worshipers. And God has established things in the Old Testament and in the New Testament for us to remember how worthy and how awesome he is and how deserving of our worship he is. The point of the plagues, this is another commentary here, it says the point of the plagues for today is not so much in what we do with it, but in having our hearts and minds open to what God has done and thereby understand him better. The ten plagues are about God, period. This passage is a call to worship. Let us worship God by helping parents and children worship. Let us worship God by helping kids in the Grand Rapids community worship God. Let us worship God by helping unborn babies, pregnant moms, and needy dads know who Jesus Christ is. Let us worship God by sharing the gospel with kids and families God brings to Vacation Bible School this summer. Let us worship God by coming alongside a church in New York City to help them share the gospel. And let us worship God by hiding his word in our hearts so that we might not sin against him as we study the word together. Let us worship God intentionally by intentionally discipling one another zealously and joyfully pursuing the living God. We have these things plastered all over our church. Humbly pursue the living God is on two of our walls and it's in the bulletin every week. Are you doing that? Or has it just become part of the decor in our church? Part of the standard procedure in our bulletins? Kids and their families intentionally discipled zealously is the idea that we're talking about with our kids' ministry. We want kids to know God more and more and be passionate about him. We need to passionately tell our children and others about Jesus Christ. Let us do this work 
of faithfully and truthfully proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ while God does the work of faithfully and effectively saving his children. Church, long passage, gnats and boils and all of this stuff, but God's glory is seen. What we need to talk about is seen in this passage, and that is God is holy and he's worthy of our worship and he is sovereign over all creation. Let's pray. Dear God, we want to thank you so much. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for all that we have in you. And Lord, as we think about um, this passage, we think about uh, your judgment because you are holy. Pray that we would remember that we are not God and you are. That we would worship you and honor you because you are worthy. I want to pray that you would help the families in this church to talk to their kids about how awesome you are and about how how serious sin is. I pray that every single person who calls Trinity Baptist Church their home would desire first to proclaim your name and make you known and second, help others to do the same and to live life for your honor and your glory. And God, we just want to pray all of these things In the precious name of Jesus, amen. I want to encourage you to come back tonight, hear about community kids and the vote for Alpha. Um, And just just be out here. It'll be another time to worship together as we we just continue to do the work of the, the Lord. Thank you.